Quantum Kickflip is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Previously on Quantum Kickflip. Things have been, obviously, not so great with Angus. He's staying with Chester for now. He keeps reassuring Chester that it'll only be for a few days, and I don't think he's really established much communication with his family. This was supposed to be one last run before I left to go on tour with the band, and... I didn't know how to tell you guys. This whole run, you were you were planning on this being the last run, and, and you you never told us. We never talk to each other. It's always yelling, and it's it's always f- fighting and running away. And I'm the worst of it. Nick has been stockpiling uh, a lot of components and stuff over time. And if we look at sort of what he, he's been working on, it actually seems like the framework for another Negatana. I am so sorry that you think that the only time I have ever noticed you is when you're doing something wrong. Is that really what you think of me? All you do is narc on people's good time and hold everyone back. I should hope so. Go to your room. There's something sitting on the floor of this chamber, what appears to be just a dusty old suitcase. However, Nick, you recognize it immediately. It's your dad's old drow computer. and welcome back to Quantum Kickflip, a Slug Blaster actual play podcast. My name is Robin. I am your host. I'm your Slug Master. And with me are five of my best and funniest friends in the whole world. Uh, They are going to introduce themselves right now in the order of, uh, well, we just had the holiday break. Whose character got the most and sweetest Christmas presents, most to least? Go. The most? The, yeah, most and sweetest are two. Sorry to throw a wrench in it. <laughs> Those are two different true. qualifiers. <laughs> two qualifiers. I, so, but I'll, I'll start. I think Lake got the most. I don't know if they're the best, but she just has a big family. So there's right. like a lot of cousins and a lot of like aunts and uncles and things. And so it just tends to stack up. Um, but the, the, the Marsden family gave as much as they received. And, and I'm Liam. I'm playing Lake Marsden. She's the heart playbook. She wields the reality cannon, a former Christmas gift, well-established, and uh, yeah, she's excited to come back from the break. You know what? I'm going to kind of twist the answer on this a little bit. Uh, Chester Capone is uh, the grit playbook. He has some sweet power armor, and uh, recently he's been doing pretty well with the slug blasting, and it got him some uh, uh, more money than he uh, usually has. So it's not that he necessarily got more presents, but I think instead what you saw from him is he gave way more presents than he ever did. And he got like, for, for people you wouldn't expect, like, yeah, for everybody on a slug blasting team, but, you know, for a few people on the hockey team and uh, obviously for Juniper and all this kind of stuff. So he got like a lot of presents. Um, what what of, did he get Juniper? Uh, the same thing he got everybody else, which was one of the copies of uh, The Matrix. He just, he discovered it and he was like, <laughs> Nick had told him about it. He was like, this is pretty sweet. Everybody, I think this is like, you know, I, this is going to change a lot of people's perspectives on how to look at the world, you know. <laughs> he just went into like a Walmart and cleared the shelf supermarket sweep style of like 30 copies of The Matrix on on VHS. <laughs> Um, sure. I'll, here's the thing. Elliot didn't get a whole bunch of people 
presence, physical presence. However, I believe she wrote a lot of songs. Like, for people, I mean. Gotcha, okay. She, she like, wrote wrote a song for Devani and wrote a song for her dad and wrote a song for her mom. Like, that kind of thing. So that's an amount of presence. The little drummer boy approach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and my name is Glenna. Uh, and I play <laughs> Elliot, and Elliot is the chill playbook. She has a Voidware backpack in which she keeps her guitar. I'm Michael Vetch, and I play Nick Lowe, the smarts playbook. I think Nick and his mom and his Uncle Terry do a thing where two of them get a gift for the third person, and everybody gets the, the one gift that they share together from the other pair of people. Like <laughs> that, I think it's how it Yeah, works. you get, get two gift two. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. Uh, hello, I'm Lena Anderson, and I'm playing Angus Franklin. He's the Guts playbook with the Skip Mode Runners. Angus's household is four kids with a single mom. Uh, I think the the younger kids probably uh, got some like nice toys and clothes and stuff like that. Not that I think Angus didn't get any presents. He may have gotten one or two. Um, but also, uh, it, this Christmas, I think, was a little bit awkward for him because he's not at his house right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is he, is he still, he would have been with, uh, staying with Chester at that point. I, I think so. I, I'm a little bit unsure where, where our lad ended up, uh, whether he stayed with Chester all the way through till Christmas or if he bounced before then and tried to find another arrangement. Uh, we'll have to explore that in the episode. And as I said, my name is Robin. I'm your host. I'm your slugmaster. I'm going to be running the show here. Uh, and I got a lump of coal for Christmas. And that's good because it's freezing in my house. So I got what I asked for. <laughs> uh, cool. We're back from our break. Uh, Y'all um, had some big stuff going on right before the mid-season finale. Uh, you discovered a brand new dimension and explored it, which got you some attention. Uh, from both Rescue uh, and Doorways, but also Miper, who offered you a sponsorship upon your return to the dimension. Yeah. But also, uh, that sponsorship has yet to be accepted because you guys were in the middle of a bit of a breakdown. Elliot is going off on tour, or uh, was going off on tour with her band, which she did. She left the crew to go and, and uh, try to make a go of it with Paula the Ape Woman, and no one's really sure what the crew makeup looks like at this point. So there's a sponsorship hanging in the balance. There's the the crew on the line and then also christmas happened at some point so that's that's fun <laughs> are y'all ready to jump back into it are you ready to find out what happened are we ready to play slug blaster mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah cool then i uh, transport you now into adventure Snow falls steadily from the darkened sky, slowly piling up on the freshly shoveled walkway leading up to the tasteful French double doors that lead into the Marsden household. The path is lit by solar-powered lanterns that line either side, and the driveway is packed with cars that have boxed each other in several times over, spilling out onto the street parking and down the block. There is a hum that can be heard through the walls, both of conversation and of several different songs playing in different rooms of the house, bleeding together in an unidentifiable, incomprehensible mashup. It is 9 p.m. on Friday, December 31st, 1999, and the Marsdens are holding their annual New Year's Eve party. 
The Marsden New Year's Eve party is the only New Year's Eve party in Hillview. Perhaps not literally, but in every way that matters. They've been doing it every year for so long now that they've thoroughly claimed the day as their own, and the entire town is always invited. As such, it's now at the point where any attempt to host a second party would be interpreted as a direct and personal affront to the Marsden <laughs> family as a whole. Perhaps people do gather elsewhere on New Year's Eve, but at the very least, they have the good sense and common courtesy not to mention it. On the front steps of the Marsden house, we find Elliot Buchanan in a rare moment of less than total confidence, slowly working up the nerve to ring the doorbell and barely making any progress. Suddenly, she hears a familiar voice ring out from behind her. Hey, uh, Miss, Miss Buchanan, is that, is that you? Oh, I haven't seen you around in a while. It's, it's me, Mr. Patterchuck from school. Uh, yeah, yes, sir. I, um, I'm familiar with your, with your, uh, your face and your voice and your everything about you. <laughs> yeah, of course. I, I, uh, I make an impression for sure. Haven't seen you around. You missed a little bit of school before the break. You took, took a little bit of time off. Your family go on vacation or something? Where, where were you off to? Oh, uh, just, just around, you know, uh, here and there, as it were. Uh, if you're here and there, why weren't you here at school and, and there in class? That's, uh, that seems a little fishy to me. Do I need to have a talk with your parents there, Miss Buchanan? Uh, n- no, sir. They authorized the trip. Ah, so it was a trip. Well, good for you. It's good to take time for yourself, especially over the holidays. Get centered. Uh, just, just sort of get your head on straight. That's, that's what the holidays are all about. Taking some time for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't go anywhere, though. I, I just stuck around here. Uh, <laughs> Not that you asked. No. Pattertruck coins the term staycation. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's pretty pretty dang chilly out here. Should we, what, what say we head inside? Are you, are you here for the party, I'm assuming? It's the only party in town. Uh, yeah, yes. Um, yes. I guess we should ring the doorbell. All right, well, uh, whenever you're ready. Here I go. You know what, it's, we're, we're invited, it's an open house, I'm just gonna slide past here, and he just opens the door and heads in. <laughs> <laughs> like, Molly, Steven, it's, it's me, Mr. Patterchuck from school. <laughs> <laughs> Not on a first name basis. <laughs> <laughs> he leaves you standing from there on the front school. step. Uh, he leaves the door open behind him as though for you to follow him. Um, but what does Elliot do? I, I want to just kind of check in and get a sense of her headspace here. Um, I think she, you know, looks at the open door and kind of kind of peeks around to see if any of her friends are in immediate sight and takes a deep breath and steps through uh, over the threshold. Yeah, I think you step into uh, sort of a, an entryway foyer type deal. I, I'm imagining the Marsdens have quite a large house just by virtue of them having quite a few kids um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that I, I get the sense that they're they're relatively well-to-do and uh, and their house sort of reflects that. So yeah, I think you see um, various adults from around town uh, in attendance, but you don't see any of your friends directly here as you, uh, you wander out into this uh, foyer, this sort of uh, stairs leading up to the second floor and sort of a big open uh, space in this, in this entryway. And you can see off to the left, there's like a, a den living space where uh, you recognize some of your teachers and some of the parents. Uh, and off to the right, you see there's like a dining room and a kitchen beyond that. Um, and people are just sort of milling around. Like I say, there's music playing in the background. I guess this would be a good time to throw to the other members of our crew where where uh, y'all are uh, 
all in attendance at this party, I'm assuming. Um, but where would we find each member of Weird Gravity in this moment? Um, well, I'll open with this, and then if you want to pick something different, everybody else, you're welcome to. But uh, I'd like to think maybe all the all the youths have convened in the in the basement. Classic. There's yeah. a little bit of a, like it's not like the kid like the little like it's not like a kids party down there, but it's like Camry and Abby, Lake, any members of Weird Gravity who want to be there, uh, Juniper if she's there. Um, I guess if the whole town's here, Subsonic Sentinel, but that seems gross. Um, but like, the, the, the teenaged youths are, are and like young adults are hanging out in the basement. Yeah, I'm picturing kind of a second sort of den or living room down there um, that is more of the like the kids hangout. I think there's another there's a TV down here, probably with some game consoles. You got the, the sweet N64 and Sega Genesis set up. Uh, is the Dreamcast out at this point? I'm not sure. Um, but whenever it comes out, it's huge in this timeline. Well, I mean, the Nega Dreamcast is absolutely out. Oh, the right, shiny the Nega, Nega Dreamcast. <laughs> yeah, you guys definitely. You got the Nega Dreamcast for Christmas this year, so that's set up, and people are taking turns playing that. Uh, it was like a like, really charming sports game where everyone's like pretending to bowl. It's like, oh, very good. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's like an air hockey table and stuff. Like it's it's kind of like the the fun, more casual den down here. Um, and then like a hallway leading off to, you know, storage rooms and whatnot. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I, I do think you've got, uh, like you said, some of your siblings there, Juniper's there. Uh, I don't think Subsonic Sentinel is in attendance uh, at this moment. Great, great news. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, who's all hanging out? In the, is, is everyone else in the basement or is anyone in another area of the house? Uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely down there and, uh, I, I am talking to somebody. I, I was going to offer Angus if, if Angus was there that I'm currently, uh, throwing out my next big idea that's been floating around in my head. So I was just thinking about it because, okay, the Y2K bug, right? We don't know what's going to happen. It's going to, tonight's the night we find out what, what's going to happen. But you know, like if it's a bug, maybe it's not like a computer bug. Maybe it, just like in the uh, the movie The Matrix, where it was all in it, like they're the, they're inside the computer. Maybe it's like a a, a literal bug that's going to eat the internet, and that's what the hang Y2- on, hang on, hmm? hang on, Chester. Are you trying to tell me that there's a bug, like a literal bug in the Matrix? I I just haven't gotten around to seeing it yet since you got it for me. You gotta watch it. It is so good. It is. Uh, it, it changes everything. But that's why it had me thinking about this Y2K bug, because everybody's talking about it. And I'm like, oh, you know, it, it's maybe the Wachowski siblings are like trying to warn us about it, you know? But like literal bugs, like do they have the computers inside the bugs? Angus is totally bluffing. He's absolutely seen the Matrix. He's messing with Chester. <laughs> well, maybe if we, we open up the computer, we'll see some bugs inside. Oh. Oh. No, Chester! And he goes off to... I, I go off to try to go find a computer. <laughs> Chester, we can't let them out! <laughs> oh, I love that. And then Angus just like does like a ah, get out of here motion with his hand and just like flops back on the couch. <laughs> I think uh, you flop down next to your, uh, your old pal Dexter who's uh, sitting on the couch next to you playing whatever game on the Dreamcast uh, and is like, Oh, you really never seen The Matrix? Because that's a, that's a good flick, man. I, I gotta agree with Chester. Highly recommend. I hope bugs don't come out of the computer, though. There's that one bug in the movie that crawls up that guy's belly button. I don't want none of that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've seen The Matrix. Oh, good. Ah, you're messing with your friend. I, I, I see what you're doing there. 
I'm, I'm a sharp one. Can't get stuff like that past me. You thought I hadn't seen The Matrix. <laughs> well, but I, um, no, oh, it's my turn. Hang on. <laughs> and he goes back to playing the game and kind of tugs his shirt down uh, as if to cover his belly butt. <laughs> uh, where do we find our friend Nick at this moment? Uh, I think Nick is over at the punch bowl and he and Juniper are actually catching up uh, since the session that we had is sort of over the over the holiday break of, of working on that laptop that he had inherited through a weird orb portal. Uh, he's just sort of talking with her about how he's not making much headway on, on the whole password encryption portion of unlocking the device. Oh, very good. So, and like any progress at all? I mean, I, I was so excited to see... After we, we got it all up and running, I, I, was, I was so excited to see what was on there, but are you still locked out? I've been trying to go through everything that I can think of in terms of uh, of drow or rescue information or or even just personal things that I remember about my dad, but uh, my, my, my data banks are so limited in, in regards to all of those, and I'm, I'm trying everything, but I, I'm just not getting anywhere with it. Well, maybe we could try and come up with some sort of a, a program that would would you know run different variables and and try different encryptions and 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 maybe we don't have to you know do it all ourselves but we could if if we write an algorithm to take care of it we could we could brute force it open mm, a system just to run randomly generated characters that could be a possibility we'll Although, have to look into that we'll have to look I, into it if it triggers some sort of a security system i mean that's such an old machine who knows what what sort of protocols are in place we might we might lose that data forever uh, True. There is always the risk of of, of some sort of lockout or, or a system wipe. And I think at this moment, uh, Chester comes strolling up in his quest to go find a computer to, to bust open. <laughs> uh, have you considered that there's maybe Y2K bugs inside of the machine? Maybe that will be... Oh, sorry. I, 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 I Have you seen a computer around here? I want to see if I can find one of these Y2K bugs. Chester, we've we've talked about this. It's not a literal bug, right? You know that, right? <laughs> I know because it's it's a thing that's normally a part of a, a program. I know you said that, but what happens if the matrix is matrix is real and there there actually are bugs now? Well, Chester, have you considered the variable that bug? Another word for that would also be say virus. Maybe it's maybe it's actually something in terms of like a disease or something. <gasps> oh no! <laughs> I've got to really find a computer now and. <laughs> go back off into like looking into random bedrooms we should probably let lake know to make sure that chester doesn't get anywhere near any of her family's computers where is lake anyway uh and where is lake anyway (laughs) i think as uh dexter gives his attention to the sega dreamcast and sort of brushes or the nega dreamcast and brushes off um (laughs) Angus uh, sitting on the other side of Angus replacing Chester's spot is now Lake who's just like beaming at him because uh, it's uh, what time is it you said uh, just shortly after nine sure right we're th- three hours till till midnight and uh, I think Lake is very excited to have someone to uh, smooch at midnight <laughs> sort of also like something she can she can smooch Angus at her house because it's New Year's and you're allowed to do that whereas like you know, door open, no boys policy, all the other 364 days of the year. But um, the house is very crowded. Everyone will be kissing. And she's sort of excited to have Angus in her in her home space. Uh, in fact, I'd even maybe she's floated the idea of like, Angus, you like it's it's pretty busy here. There's going to be a lot of people uh, kind of coming and going late. Uh, all the adults are drunk. People might even have to crash here so they don't drive home. You could probably, I don't know where you're staying right now, because I know you're you are still not going home, but if there was ever a night to to spend the night, might be, might be tonight. Whoa. 
where is Angus crashing right now, and how does he feel about this proposal? Um, I think, Michael, we had talked about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Could he be crashing with Uncle Terry? Yeah, I think that that was part of a setup of, like... Uh, Things things with between Nick and his mom are still like a little shaky on stuff, so he wasn't sure he'd be able to have a place for Angus to stay, but he managed to convince his mom that the two of them were just going to hang out with Uncle Terry and take in so, somewhat of a, a marathon between, let's say, Boxing Day and New Year's of media that Uncle Terry has... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not, not categorized, but he's... Uh, oh, what is that word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring a bunch of stuff together to Accumulated? make a, yeah, yeah. No, it's not collated. Compilation. No. Curated. Thank you. That's the one. <laughs> Liam got it because he's also Uncle Terry. Yeah. <laughs> I, and you know what? It make it easy on you. Uncle Terry's the other guy playing the Nega Dreamcast against Dexter. <laughs> uh, and he's he's had a couple eggnogs. Um. Oh, very good. <laughs> so yeah, how does Angus feel about this uh, this proposal? Uh, I think, uh, Angus gives, like, a look like he wasn't expecting her to say that. Um, and he's, he's probably teased her a couple times tonight being like, like, you're giving me that look again. Cause he knows that, that she's excited about midnight. Yeah. And I, if I, if I can clarify, she's very excited about midnight, but this, this truly, you know, this was a pragmatic, like you've been crashing at other members of Weird Gravity's house. This truly is the one night. And, um, I, obviously that's a, it's sort of a loaded proposition, but both Liam and Lake mean that in a in a mostly innocent way. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like that, that Angus has stayed with Chester, right? He stayed with Uncle Terry. Like he's kind of deliberately avoided asking anything of Lake because one, that's a big house for him to impose upon. Two, uh, weird connotations about your uh, boyfriend not having a place to sleep. And so uh, hanging out at your place. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, he's deliberately kind of avoided that. And so he kind of just like looks down and, and looks like he's thinking for money. He's like, I, I think. And I think in that moment, before he can finish, uh, what he's going to reply to Lake there, who should stroll down the stairs into this basement space, but, uh, Elliot Buchanan. And I think it's set up in such a way that like the stairs come down into the room at such an angle that you kind of can't help but like be the center of attention as you walk in. Uh, and so Elliot's sort of like all eyes are on Elliot as you, as you descend the staircase. Uh, and I think maybe the, like the, whatever game they were in the middle of just like the, the last point is scored right at that moment. So it goes to the, the <laughs> pause screen and Dexter's like, ah, shoot, man. No, that wasn't fair. You, you, this controller, the, the joysticks, like it sticks to the one side or something. I don't, Oh, Oh, and then there's like a little bit of an awkward silence in the room. <laughs> hey. Hey. Hello, Elliot. Thanks for coming to the New Year's Eve party. Make <laughs> yourself at home. Thanks. Uh, it's, it's nice to be here. Angus stands up. You want some punch? Yeah, that, w- that would be awesome. And Angus heads towards the punch bowl. Right before he stands up, he would have clocked Lake. Uh, how's she looking? She she's looking a little like doesn't know quite what to say to to Elliot because it's been it's been a couple weeks that we've seen you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, do you follow Angus to the punch bowl or do you? Oh, talk definitely. To, talk to... <laughs> Good. Lake was gonna like try to croak out a how was tour, and and she doesn't she doesn't get it out. She hesitates, and you're you're already off to the punch bowl with Angus. And we follow the two of you to the punch bowl as well. 
uh, as Angus is like uh, ladling cups of punch and holding one out to Elliot, he's like, how was the tour? Uh, it was it was really good. Uh, you would have been proud of me. I got kicked out of a bar. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's hardcore. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... You coming back? Um, I, uh, I haven't decided yet. Hmm. I kind of wanted to see how tonight went. Gotcha. Thanks for the punch. It's good to see you. It's good to see you, too. And Angus would head back to the couch with Lake. Yeah, I kind of want to see one more little reunion here. I think, uh, Chester, in your your desperate search to try and find a computer to look inside I have of. found one. I have found one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll throw to you then. Uh, and sorry, who am I bumping into? Uh, Elliot. Okay. So, like, I, I emerge from uh, one of uh, uh, Lake's younger siblings' bedrooms, and I have a speaking spell. And uh, I have removed the batteries, and I'm, like, trying to, like, I'm trying to, like, oh, I need a screwdriver to open up the back plate of this. And I'm, like, kind of uh, muttering to myself, okay, well, I just need to find a screwdriver. Hey, hey, Elliot. And then I, I, like, run over to her and, like, pick her up in a big bear hug. And, like, uh, you know, her arms are pinned to her side. And (laughs) so how's tour? (laughs) Hey, hi, hi, Chester. Uh, it was it was good. It was uh, really fun. Uh, I didn't get into any fights, but I did get kicked out of a bar, so that was something. Oh man, um, that that sounds really good. Hey, oh, actually, hold on. I got your present, and like you know, like my armor is uh, works like a backpack on me all the time. Uh, and I reach back in there and I pull out the present. Uh, it's you know like a, about the size of a say a DVD case, and I hand it to. Uh, Elliot is like, when I when I saw this, I immediately thought of you. That, that's really sweet, Chester. I didn't, I mean, I guess I could play a song for you. I didn't get, I'll open it. And she opens it. I'm telling you, Elliot, you're going to love it. Is it a VHS of the Matrix? Yeah, uh, yes. What <laughs> okay, else is it going to be? He said it was a DVD case size, so that threw that's, me yeah, off. DVD and VHS very different that's sizes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> it, yeah, have you seen it yet? Uh, yeah, but I uh, I saw it in theaters, so to have my own copy is pretty cool. Thank you. Yeah, no, no problem. <laughs> so, so I, I guess we should probably get the uh, the crew together so we can talk about uh, our next uh, slug blast uh, uh, adventure, right? Right. Uh, hmm? oh, I, I just, um, oh, I kind of wanted to use tonight as a, a testing the waters thing. I know I didn't leave on the, on the best terms. Oh, well, I mean, you're coming back. So I, of course you're gonna, you're, you're welcome back for sure. Cause you are coming back, right? Uh, maybe. Oh, maybe. Um. Well, of course you're gonna, you're of course you're gonna be there. Anyways, I I am doing a, a, a really important investigation right now. Uh, you'll have to excuse me, but uh, I'm I'm glad you're back. And like gives her another big hug again, and then goes off to go look for a screwdriver. Here's the problem: he already has a screwdriver in his backpack, but he is just uh, thinking about what is possibly in this machine. He he doesn't realize that, and he off he goes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, With that, I think we jump forward in time a little bit. 
The countdown starts in the TV room where someone is tuned into a local broadcast, but it, it soon ripples out through all in attendance until the entire building echoes with the sounds of five, four, three. The excitement is palpable. Couples lock eyes, champagne is shaken, and glasses are raised. But the instant the first syllable of HAP has been uttered, every light in the house goes out at once. This is met with a mixed reaction. Some finish their original sentiment, either too excited to be deterred or perhaps just too drunk to even notice. Some laugh, some cheer, and several screams can be heard from throughout the house. For a moment, you all flash back to the most recent blackout to hit Hillview and feel a surge of panic as you briefly wonder if you didn't really escape that time loop after all, but it doesn't last. Almost as quickly as it went out, the power kicks back on, though the surge has caused some of the bulbs to spontaneously burn out, leaving the scene dimly lit and uncanny. The TV that was screening the local news countdown shows only static, and the white noise hiss fills the air almost imperceptibly. Days of Auld Lang Syne, what was that? <laughs> it's Y2K. It's Y2K, everybody. <laughs> it happened. I'd like to throw out a somewhat retroactive offer. Yeah. At two, mm-hmm. at, in the countdown, Angus would have grabbed Lake and kissed her. Oh, yeah, we, we <laughs> spent the whole dark, like, I think both of our eyes were closed for the dark. <laughs> yeah, the and dark. then we both opened our eyes and were like, wait, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Hello, everybody, Simmer. Uh, I've got some extra bulbs upstairs. I'll, I'll pop up and I'll bring them back down. Don't you worry. There will be more partying to come. Well, the lights are back on, yes, you said? Yeah, some of them have burned out, but others have uh, have come back. Like, the power is back on. It's not a not a full blackout. Okay. Um, we should get a check-in, though. Like, it's, it's been some time, been a matter of hours. Is everyone still hanging out down in the basement, or have some of you moved to the main floor? Where in the house can we find the members of Weird Gravity? Probably still in the basement. Okay. I just I was still in the basement too. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe I went upstairs with uh, Juniper uh, at, at one point, and maybe we're just kind of milling about uh, in the kitchen because you know all, all this excitement about finding Y two K bug. You need to fuel up for that. So absolutely. In, in amongst all the Doritos and like all the uh, snacks and everything like that, just like he he's going he's going pretty hard on it. Just like, hey, do you think I could maybe like get this uh, speaking spell from them? I think I have an idea for it. Oh, uh, maybe like, w- wait, w- what do you mean an idea for it? Well, you, you know, you got to always upgrade your equipment, right? So like what happens I, if I can incorporate this into my armor, you know, <laughs> have like some sort of like heads up display. Uh, th- that would be, a, you know, keep track of all my, my ammo uh, and uh the power levels and everything. I don't know how to do that, but I can figure it out. I, I'm, I, I'm going to try figure it out. I guess that could... Wait, would you have to wait for it to spell it out letter by letter every time? Listen, never mind. It's not important right now. Chester, I'm, I'm a little scared. We should maybe get back to the others. It's All the lights went out there, and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on. Well, I mean, they did come back, so maybe I guess the Y2K bug uh, was, you know, maybe they were killed. Maybe they were squished, so it, it was probably fine. Uh, but yeah, maybe that's a good idea. Uh, man, I wish I had this heads-up display ready to go. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, you know, we start trying to uh, find the others. Yeah, I think uh, you pass uh, Camry in the hallway. He's coming up to to grab some more light bulbs to replace some of the ones that burnt out. Uh, and you head out into uh, one of the sort of main rooms on the main floor there, and you see a, a variety of the parents uh, of uh, Lake's mom is here, obviously hosting, but you see Nick's mom in attendance as well, 
Uh, and weirdly enough, Angus's mom is also here. Um, they're kind of chatting over in the corner and, and kind of looking around nervously, uh, trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, you see a couple of your teachers, Mr. Patterchuk and Mr. Scottsdale, are around. And they're, yeah, everyone's just kind of, there's an atmosphere of general confusion as everyone's trying to just figure out, like, what happened there and how serious it was. Mm-hmm. Um, let's cut to the downstairs and see what's going on with our, our basement crew. Wow, Angus, I wouldn't, jeez, I, I was so focused that I, I didn't even notice what happened. Is everyone, everyone's okay? What, it's power outage, I guess? Yeah. Uh, Angus would check his phone, and, and just as a test, he would check my page. Uh, in doing that, then I think Lake is just gonna low-key pull out her space-time ampimeter and see if there's any, like, again, you were talking about that lingering worry that we didn't get the, um, energy monster. Um, she, she pulls out her space-time ampimeter to see if there's any weird readings. Yeah, uh, Angus, you... You pull out your phone and, and load up my page. I think it takes a second. Like when you first pull it out, there's no service. And then much like the power coming back on, like it, it seems like things start to uh, start to reconnect and, and things start to boot up again. Um, and maybe you have to like reload and refresh the page a few times. But my page does eventually load. Um, and it appears as though this is not isolated to the Marsden house. You're seeing posts from from various people that you know from school. I mean, most of the town is here, so it's a little hard to tell, uh, but I think there are maybe some more, like, even though the adults don't challenge the Marsden New Year's party, I think some of the kids probably sneak off to have uh, more illicit fun, maybe out at the gravel pits, and uh, and you're seeing some posts, and it seems like, uh, yeah, that, that power outage hit more than just the Marsden house. Uh, is there anything, any information you're specifically looking for there? I, I think he's just, I, I guess just looking for anything weird. But nothing too specific, and and he is looking at his phone. He's like, I ah okay, I guess blackouts can just happen. Ah, feels weird though. Um, and Lake, you pull out that ampimeter, mm-hmm. and I think you get some some very strange readings here. It it is almost like it can't seem to lock on to any one particular signal, but it's like it's getting a lot of strong activity but too much to sort of make sense of if that, if that uh, tracks, like it's, yeah. it's uh, you're, you're not getting a like, Oh, there's a portal open directly this way at this longitude and latitude. It's more that there's just like, there's a lot of strong activity and this thing. Can't get a read on, on what's coming from where. Yeah. Look at my space time ampimeter. The, the, the readings are off a chart. I can't, the levels are all over the place. Oh, weird. Oh, dang it. It is that Y2K man. Chester was right. I, I was, I was trying to be, be bold in the face of uh, the unknown, but but it's it's clear to me, man. This is this is oh, this is big. This is just the first step. Next thing you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be all the all the uh, missiles going off and 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 cars crashing and power grids and yeah, it's 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 it's, it's happening, man. It's real. It's all real. Settle down, dude. <laughs> now I guess this feels weird to say, but for the uninitiated, do we need to like? state what y2k was because yes yeah I, I it was think a it... full 20 <laughs> 21 years ago oh my god uh, 22 <laughs> years ago yeah it was the when y2k came along like this was the thing everybody talked about on the 31st for sure in like the year the year and weeks leading up to it yeah it was a, yeah. a genuine concern so yeah. the basic gist is that uh Early computers often encoded their dates as, you know, month, month, day, day, year, year, with just two digits allotted to the year, mostly to save on memory. Memory is a commodity in, in programming, and if you can reduce it down to two digits, that's actually, you know, saving a lot of data over time. Um, but the concern was that 
as the date rolled over from 99 in 1999 on New Year's Eve to 2000, it would roll over to 00, and that this might cause a bunch of conflicts in uh, the code. You know, there would there would be inconsistencies where the computer wouldn't be able to tell what the date actually was or would, would read as 1900 instead of 2000. Um, and, and all kinds of things might be affected. Yeah. And, and it's kind of hard to tell how serious of a threat it was because it's the kind of thing where it was also heavily addressed and, and like, like programmers did, did see to it. So it's maybe it was that it, it was never an issue and we were stupid to worry about it. And maybe it was that it would have been an issue, but we got it. Uh, six of one, yeah. half a dozen. Or yeah. it would have been like a, a minor issue, but people were worried it would like launch the nukes. Like exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of hard to tell. Um, but we're not in our our history as it happened. We're in alternate universe 1999. Uh, well, not anymore. We're in alternate universe year 2000, baby. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Lake's checking the amphimeter. You're checking the my page. Chester and Juniper are up on the main floor trying to get back. Uh, Nick and Elliot, where where do we find y'all? I think Elliot uh, had sort of secreted herself away in a corner and was just kind of noodling around on her guitar. Like, not really talking to anybody, just doing her own thing. Mm, that makes sense. I think Nick happened to be in the bathroom during the countdown. <laughs> one of the lights that burnt out was the bathroom light. So he is in complete blackness and he stumbles and falls out of the bathroom door. Maybe beside Elliot. <laughs> and just to be clarify, are you guys up on the main floor? Or are you down in the basement or are you somewhere else in the house? I was thinking basement still. Sweet. Uh, same here. Cool. Just making sure I want to get an idea where our party is. So for the crew in the basement, I think the first thing you begin to notice is the smell. It's like something sweet spilled on a stove element, slowly filling the air. Then you begin to hear uh, some screams from the hallway, uh, and a a small crowd of, of the teens down here flee back into the room that you're currently occupying. They are pursued by several large translucent orange slugs, bulbous and slimy. The slugs leave a trail of ooze behind them that seems to have a corrosive effect of some kind, disintegrating the floor and transforming it into a granular orange substance. One of these slugs convulses, and a glob of that same ooze launches out and hits the floor in the center of the room. Uh, There's a panicked scramble to get away, but not everyone makes it. As you can see, Dexter slowly begin to sink into the dissolved floor, which pulls him in like quicksand. Yeah, okay. Um, Yeah, damn. uh, (laughs) The slugs are coming into the room. Uh, Are they sort of uh, past our our only exit kind of thing? Yeah, I think there's a slight hallway to get to the stairs up to the main floor, um, and these slugs are, are coming out of that hallway. Uh, I think Elliot sees this and is kind of like immediately on her feet. And uh, I, I want to roll. I want to roll to pull something out of my bag. Oh, amazing. Uh, uh, Angus sees Elliot uh, get up. Uh, I'm going to snake this. If there's any question about who goes first, it's you. He actually uses his powered midsoles to kind of like spring up off of the floor and land directly in front of the slugs. And lightning fast, he's pulling out his negaray and firing. Beautiful. Let's get rolls for both of those offers, uh, but to honor that ability, yeah, Angus first. Uh, yes, I am going to add a kick from my skip modes because that launched me up. I will also add a die from my skip modes and I am trying to look cool. 2d6, one kick. Five. That is a, uh, a mixed success, yeah. So describe to me how you how you blast this thing and then I'll give you your complication. It's, it's pretty point blank. Uh, I think the thing that looks cool is just how quickly he springs up, leaps over the the pit in the middle of the floor, 
and is just like instantly firing. And it's just like several shots point blank, probably not too much concern for uh, how much slug goo he's gonna get on himself, which may lend itself to the complication. <laughs> yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. You fire down on this thing and it uh, just pops like a gusher's fruit snack. <laughs> it explodes into ooze. It, it splashes on you and just seems, you know, unpleasant. Um, but where it sort of hits the floor underneath you, uh, it begins to have that same effect that it has been having trailing behind them and it begins to sort of corrode the floor away. And before you have a chance to to react, your feet you find are stuck in, in this quicksand substance and it's pulling you slowly downwards. Uh, and we're actually going to give you a slam for that. that sure. Stuck in quicksand is your is your slam here. Then uh, can so, I use intuition? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Once per run, you can warn a teammate just in time to avoid uh, a slam uh, mm-hmm. when you do Mark 1 style. Seeing all this, and, and I wasn't sure how Lake was going to react, and this is a perfect yeah. opportunity to use that. She's like, sees Angus do the sick dive and fire, but also sees he's going to hit the uh, goo. Um, and does a dive herself and kind of like catches him almost like a dip, like a dancing dip. <laughs> yes, oh, I love that. Uh, and I get to mark one style about it. So. Yeah, you expertly pull Angus out of the way just in time, and you see the stuff sort of sizzle away the floor and, and begin to uh, corrode it. But uh, yeah, you've taken out one of these things. Um, let's let's get a, I'll get a progress track going. Meanwhile, Elliot, let's get a roll for your offer there. Right. To clarify, I want to pull like a mop or a broom, something with a big long handle. Okay. That's a two, but it's a double two. <laughs> uh, there you go. I guess uh, mark your style for that, but that is a failure, isn't it? Yep. Just pulls a feather duster. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we've got a progress track here. So you've taken out one of these sinking slugs, which takes out the S in the word slugs on your progress track. Elliot, yes, you uh, you go to pull something out. And I think, yeah, because you're looking for something specifically with a long handle, it, it does sort of just like... You, you do get a grip on something, but it snags and you just like can't seem to get it past the mouth of your bag. And it's it's uh, taking all your attention. Ultimately, you you are trying to pull it through and you end up fumbling it and losing your grip. And I think the complication is that this has distracted your attention uh, and two of the remaining slugs have sort of closed in towards you. Uh, and you had said that you kind of positioned yourself in a corner. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think these things literally have you cornered. Like there is there's one on either side of you kind of, of staring you down. Uh, and they sort of like pulsate and, and wriggle in the way that they do as though they're about to launch another one of these goop attacks. Shit. <laughs> Nick, where what's what's your play here? I want to say that in the time that Elliot was making the move for uh, reaching into the Voidware backpack... Uh, Nick managed to scramble back up to his feet and ran up the near wa- nearby wall so he was positioned on the ceiling. Okay. Yes. Uh, and from this point, can we say he's on the ceiling, like, up above these slugs? Uh, the the two that are cornering Elliot? Yeah, yeah, I like that. Uh, then I think from here, he's sort of in a ready stance on the ceiling, and he reaches behind his ear, and he pulls out the mechanical pencil that he's always got tucked back there. Uh, but with a click of the eraser on it, it actually begins to unfold and expand, uh, almost like kind of like how the Iron Man suits always like expand out of a smaller thing and plates move and stuff pops out from underneath. And it keeps expanding until it's the form of a black hilt with red detailing and a long <laughs> sheathed blade springs out from the end of it. He pulls a blade from the sheath, attaches the sheath to his hip, 
and he is now standing on the ceiling in a ready stance with his Nekatana Mark II. Amazing. Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> Everybody, it's me, Robin, your Slugmaster, just popping in as always to thank you so very much for listening. We're uh, we're seeing higher and higher download numbers on our recent episodes, and it's so incredibly rewarding and validating. We can't thank you enough, especially if you've shared the show with a friend or left us a kind word on Apple Podcasts. It really is the number one way to help us out, and we appreciate it so, so much. Uh, we are at Quantum Kickflip on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow us for new episode updates, memes, audiograms, and lots more. Uh, and you can also subscribe to us on Patreon, where for just five bucks a month, you can get early access to every new episode of Quantum Kickflip, uh, as well as bi-weekly bonus content like interviews and outtakes. Uh, I'd also like to thank our sponsors at the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, whose goal is to advocate, educate, and celebrate the media arts in Alberta. Check them out at amaas.ca. And finally, we are proud members of the Alberta Podcast Network, who have just a ton of amazing, wonderful, locally made shows all over at uh, albertapodcastnetwork.com. This adventure is going to be a three-parter, so you can catch the next installment in two weeks on Wednesday, February 2nd, Groundhog Day, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And we are going to get you right back to the action here. But first, I'd like to throw it over to Dexter for some quick announcements. Hey everybody, it's me, your pal, Dexter, just here to give you a quick word from our sponsors. Uh, this episode was brought to you by Rumi. Cold drafts, flickering lights, and where's that leak coming from? If you've ever wondered what's really going on in your home, Rumi's Ask a Home Inspector service can help. Connect with a certified professional home inspector by phone or video call to get your questions answered. Rumi will let you know what's easily fixable with a little DIY and when you might need to call in some professional help. Visit rumi.ca, that's R-U-M-I dot C-A, and book your Ask a Home Inspector appointment today. Now, if you ask me, people are a little too fussy about all this home repair stuff. I mean, I got a drain in my bathroom where the water doesn't quite go down. It takes a long time to go down, but I just, I have my shower, I leave it, and usually by the next day or... You know, two days later when I decide to have a shower again, it's almost all drained out of there. I don't really see what the problem is, but as if you're the person who likes to have the stuff in your house work the way it's supposed to work, you could, you could call Rumi and set up one of these appointments. Now, this episode was also brought to you by Pod Power. With Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, Edmonton Community Foundation's helping us give a Pod Power shout-out to Is This For Real? Is This For Real is a podcast about various facets of black life in Edmonton. In the first season of the show, Breaking the Blue Wall, host Omar Salafu explores anti-black racism and policing and tells story about policing in schools, accountability in Alberta's policing system, and the impacts of police violence on black Edmontonians. You can listen to the podcast and read more about each episode at isthisforreal.ca. You can also support the work of these podcasters and future seasons on Patreon. Man, maybe I ought to give that podcast a listen. I didn't know all this stuff was, was even going on. I didn't know there was it was all such a big deal. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a white teenage soccer coach from small town Alberta, so I think I got my finger pretty on the pulse when it comes to this kind of thing. But maybe I'll give it a, give it a listen and educate myself a bit. Anyway, let's get you folks back to the action. Chester, you were up on the main floor with Juniper, mm -hmm. and you were kind of making your way back. Um, and I think, yeah, you had gotten as far as sort of the living area where all these these parents and teachers and stuff are. 
and you're you're looking for the stairs back down to the basement. But before you find them, you begin to hear a faint, high-pitched whine, almost imperceptible at first, but growing steadily more and more noticeable. It sounds like the high-frequency hum of an old TV. You can't see it, the source of it at first, uh, just a subtle sort of shimmer in the air, a trick of the light. But then you watch as the oscillating fan in the corner of the room starts to disassemble itself, slowly breaking down into its individual components, then into fragments, then dissolving into nothingness. Uh, once the fan has disappeared, the same process begins to happen to the stereo system. Uh, you have never seen anything like this, but something is is dissolving and disassembling various parts of the room, and I think the adults start to take notice of this as well, and, and there are some screams. Oh, man. These Y2K bugs got into everything. <laughs> I now, now do, I don't see any of the slugs or anything like that, right? You, you have no idea, no way of knowing, but this seems to be something different. With the, it's the you know, like I saw a shimmering kind of a thing with, with uh, my receptive ability to notice the stuff. Everything else is too busy to. Is there like any kind of indication? Like, is it movement or is it just like energy? Is it? Uh, I think what it is is like everyone else just sees like they hear a hum and then the fan starts to dissolve mm -hmm. and then the stereo starts to dissolve. And I think with your receptive ability, you're able to sort of track that there there is something in the room like these items aren't spontaneously evaporating into nothingness. You can sort of see that there's like a, almost a cloud, a shimmering cloud that is moving around the room and, and affecting these objects as it does. Oh, boy. Um well, I, I think as uh, soon as that happens, uh, I immediately engaged like the ablatine plates to come over me, like out of my backpack and uh, unfolds and starts covering me up. Uh, I grab my danger arc and I turn it on, which I'm kind of realizing like, oh, it didn't get into my armor, did it? Uh, and like, I, I turn to Juniper and I'm like, get outside, get, get away from any of the machines. You you yell to Juniper to, to leave, and she kind of just grips your arm tighter and is like, "No, I I can't. I I I don't I don't want to be on my own, and I don't know I don't know what's happening. Something's going on. I I, I can't be alone." Okay, uh, I'll I'll make sure I protect you. And like I turn back to go. F uh, tr I don't know how I'm going to attack this. I have an idea. I'm going to okay. take that speaking spell and I just whip it at the shimmerer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Um it uh it it does essentially what you have been trying to do all night like it it uh you you throw it into this cloud, it sort of stops in midair. It it's eerie. It, it like freezes in place and then begins to sort of disassemble into its components much like you've been been trying to do all evening. Uh but then those components begin to disassemble into smaller components until it just evaporates into this cloud and there's nothing left. Yeah, I think Chester realizes the threat that is to to himself to a certain degree. Like, I don't think he's concerned that, you know, his physical body is uh, vulnerable, but, like, all of his stuff is vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to turn back around to Juniper, kind of pick her up in my arms, uh... We have the, the Y2K bugs are attacking any technology. You got to get out of here. And because uh, <laughs> I'm thinking like being inside the house might be the worst thing. We might have to try to get away from a lot mm -hmm. of it. So like I think I'm going to um, engage like the mobility boosters and like start uh, 
skating towards I, I'm saying thinking towards the back door, towards the kitchen, and uh bursting it open. Like I may not even be like opening it. I might just like, you know, put my shoulder down and just like burst my way through. And uh that's I think that's gonna be my action. Yeah, trying to get out of the house. Just to clarify before you do, are you are you trying to regroup within with your friends in the basement at all? Or are you just you're Priority is getting Juniper to safety. I think it's to get Juniper to safety, but I also like think that they are capable. It's just like right now they got to get out of the house. It's the like I I think to a certain degree this might be like the most scared Chester is has been so far because yeah. like this could be the loss of everything he has, including slug blasting. Absolutely. I know that this is generally like moving through rooms and, and going out the back door of a house is not generally something that uh, takes a lot of expertise or special skill, but it does sound like you're you're trying to do things quickly here. And there's a lot of uncertain elements at play. There are clearly like multiple different threats going on. So I think I do want to get a roll for this. Okay. Um, but do feel free to, to mark boost and kick as needed from, from both your playbook and your, your device. You're using both aspects of that. So, yeah. Uh, so I think it makes sense to use boost from, uh, both the armor and from grit, like the whole, like using my toughness to like help, you know, it might be sloppy in its execution, but like, I don't, it doesn't matter if I hit a table, I'm just like pushing through it. And then his armor trying to just go as fast as it can. I don't think I'm going to give kick because I also don't see this as high stakes necessarily. I just think it's so. Yeah, totally. Okay, let's go with three, two, three and a five. There we go. That's a mixed success. Yeah, so I think you're able to uh, make your way through the hallways there. Um, you, like you say, you're, you're slamming your shoulder into doors and just uh, carving your way through. And you make it as far as uh, there's a, a sunroom on one corner of the house. You, you see that there's an exterior door there to lead you to the outside and you're about to go out. But I think you are stopped by Camry. I think Camry is in this room with you as well. Whoa, 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 slow down there. You don't want to go outside. Oh, uh, why, why is that? I was just up here trying to get light bulbs and, man, it's a bad trip out there. Oh. I like the idea that maybe Camry was trying to change a porch light, which, like, why would that be the priority? <laughs> but he's like, he was just going through and noticed that that one was out. I see a problem. I go there first. That's where people go to smoke. Oh, that's... It was that's... the closest one. I was, the light bulbs were in the sunroom, and I saw it outside the sunroom, so I tried to go there first, but... There's more than just a burnt out light there, man. <laughs> I love that. So yeah, Chester, you can now see there's, there's a lot of windows in this room. It's a sunroom after all. And uh, you don't see what Camry's talking about at first. It, it, it just looks like, yeah, it's it's nighttime. It's dark. It's whatever. There's some street lamps. There's some bunch of cars parked outside. Um, but then you see it go past. It, it's you know off in the distance and then it whips past again. Uh, you see several of uh, the hyper hornets that you recognize from the Golden Jungle that one time you were there. Uh, you see the distinctive sort of orange and black striping pattern, and, and you recognize them immediately from your time there. And and is it like, oh, it's a few, or is it like, it's a lot? I think it's like on the, on the more manageable side of things, um, where it's like, I think your crew could dispatch things easily. You know, it's hard to get a sense of exactly how many there are, because they're sort of zipping by, and you don't know if you're seeing the same one twice, but there's like... More than one of them out there, and it is just you. Um, so I think that is the, the nature of your mixed success here. Is you found your exit. You found your way outside. You successfully navigated your way to the outside. However, there is danger out there as well. Ah!
back in the basement. Nick, you had just drawn the Negatana Mark II up above uh, uh, Elliot on the ceiling there as these slugs were closing in. Uh, I think we, we need to hear what Nick's next move is. I think from his uh, sort of crouched stance up on the ceiling, he tilts his head up, or I guess tilts his head down, uh, and he announces out, Negatana second form inverse, gravity momentum whirl! And he like, launches off the ceiling, and uh, second form momentum whirl is the one that's kind of like a Legend of Zelda spin attack, so he's doing a big corkscrew propeller straight down from the ceiling like a busted ceiling fan, and he's going to cut up these slugs, and I want to... I want to add a, I want to add a boost, and I don't want to add a kick, and I want to look cool. Wonderful, do it, yeah. With a kick, you can take out both of them if you, if you're successful here. Yeah, that's my horse. Two d six and a kick. That's the six. Uh, Woo! Hell yeah! Play the scene out for us as you, as you carve these things up. Uh, just big red blur come spinning down right in between the two. Oh. And you said they were orange slugs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just, it just like, almost cartoonishly, you could see the, the slabs of them. And then they go flying <laughs> and like splat on the walls. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, w- with this unequivocal success, yeah, you also managed to both slice them and also launch them so that they don't like burst and coat the two of you in goo. Uh, so it, it hits on either wall and has that same effect. Like there are now two pools of quicksand on either wall of the basement, <laughs> but you are you are unharmed. Uh, and you, you look up from doing this cool maneuver and, and Elliot's there in the corner. Hey, sorry I didn't get a chance to say hi yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Thanks for the save. This, uh, this Nobody puts Elliot is, in the uh, corner. <laughs> this reunion is short-lived as uh, there are still two of these things active in the room. Let's let's jump back over to uh, Lake and Angus. What what's going on with the two of you? Great shot, Angus. But we're getting goo everywhere. This, this is still my house. Whatever's going on. Uh, um, as she thinks about it, and she she imagines blasting one of them with the the reality prism, the the main destructive blast that I almost never <laughs> use. Um, and I think instead she's gonna try the parameter dial. Um, and she's gonna try to change a, tar- a feature of a target. Uh, gonna try to change these slugs to dry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Uh, as Lake, because uh, uh, Angus was kind of in this dip, uh, and uh, as Lake pulls Angus up to his feet, he uh, smiles over and he's like, "My hero!" And then he's gonna <laughs> go help pull Dexter out of the goo. Oh yeah, Dexter's like up to his waist at this point. He's like, "Oh, I got myself in a bad situation here. I tell you, oh, oh boy, ah, oh, jeez." This Y2K is worse than I ever could have predicted. Oh, dang. <laughs> uh, let's get rolls from both of you then. Um, sure. So I'm going to fire my, my prism here. I think I'm going to add a kick that'll to try to target the last two of them. But I'd also like to add a die, a boost die. Uh, just yes, to, to make sure it lands. Uh, I'm going to, I think, just add the one die from my guts. Mm-hmm. So this is just going to be 2d6 straight up. Uh, me too. Here I go. Uh, a four was the highest of the two. Makes success. Huh, three was the highest of the two for me. Oh no. Um, let's merge these two offers a little bit. Um, yeah, Lake, you you blast this thing, uh, it, it firing one of your classic lob shots. Um, yes, it would be if we weren't at point blank range. Uh, oh, yeah. I think she 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 goes up to to one that's closest and um, uh, almost yeah. like down its throat. Um, <laughs> uh, or in the in the belly or whatever, and uh, is hoping to get the one behind it as well with this uh, with this kick. 
yeah, I think you, you fire straight down. This orb sort of uh, launches into this thing and expands, uh, and it immediately like shrivels into a little orange, uh, little orange raisin. <laughs> and you see the sort of energy from this this orb you fired expand outward, and it catches the other one too. So yeah, because it is a success, you're you're taking both of them out. That takes up the progress track. However, I think because the other one was like further away, it kind of gets like caught in the blast radius rather than a direct hit. Uh, and so rather than just shriveling up into a raisin, it sort of like shrivels uh, from one end like a tube of toothpaste. Um, mm. And that fires a glob of slime over in the direction of Angus. So Angus, you're, you're, you're knocked over onto your back on the floor. Mm-hmm. And you find that when you go to sit up, you can't because you are also sinking into, into the floor at this point. Well, this isn't good. <laughs> so is that Angus's failure or my complication or both? Your complication, yeah, putting Angus in danger, and Angus, now you've you've both failed and uh, have the slam of, of sinking. Cool. I really want to try my long broom handle thing again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's get it. Uh, and I'm going to add a die from my backpack so mm-hmm. that I'm rolling with 3d6. Uh, four. There you go. Mixed success. Uh, you tell me what you pull out of your backpack. Uh, I think I pull out just like a big old mop. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a big, long, staff-like handle. Uh, and the purpose is to lay it from one side of the quicksand to the other side so that the boys have something to grab onto and that they can pull themselves out that way. So with the, the successful part of this mixed success, you are able to do that. Maybe they're just far enough apart that you kind of have to rescue them one at a time. Mm-hmm. So who are you? who are you going for first here? Uh, I guess Angus, because he was on his back, so he'd be up to his neck. Yeah, fair. Um, yeah, you you are able to provide him that uh, that escape route. He grabs onto the broom handle, and you're able to to pull him out there. And I think that's that's the complication here is like you're you're able to get the thing you were pulling, and you're able to save one of your friends. Uh, but you see uh, that like there's just not enough time. Dexter uh, has been sinking, and the the sinking as he gets further in starts to speed up as like more of him is under the sand than over the sand. Uh, and you see him kind of like, oh, uh, geez, I could use one of those a little, a uh, oh, little help over here. Uh, and you watch as his his fingers trail below the surface of the sand. No, no. like he gets oh. submerged. Yeah, yeah. Nope. nope, nope, We're nope, nope, nope. That. <laughs> uh, fair. Mark your two trouble and uh, and tell me how you play this out differently. Uh, I only mark one trouble because of my f- ability called lucky. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, things tend to work out. Uh, I think once Angus gets it. Uh, and I think Angus is still holding on to the broom handle and maybe has not quite pulled himself out yet. And I yank it, pulling both Angus and the broom. Yeah. And and put it uh, over into where Dexter can grab it as well. Yeah. So I think it plays out much the same way. He's still like is calling out and you still see him vanish under the surface. Uh, but then there's that classic thing where like the hand comes back up and grabs the broom handle. And you're uh, maybe it takes the effort of all of you combined, but you're able to sort of slowly pull him up out of here. So yeah, I think you guys have a, a brief moment here of, of victory where you, uh, you, you know, you've vanquished these things and there don't seem to be any more of them coming. But I think that victory is short-lived because this is the moment where you hear screams start to echo out from upstairs and, and you realize that um, whatever you've been dealing with down here might not be an isolated incident. Oh yeah, um, Angus is running, upstairs. running already. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, do the rest of you follow? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, we're, we're if if everything downstairs seems to be taken care of, uh, yeah, runs upstairs with uh, with Angus. Yeah, totally. 
Uh, Nick sheathes his sword and does a little maneuver with the handle to collapse it back into the pencil, which he tucks behind his ear as he runs up following the rest of the crew. <laughs> Good plan. <laughs> uh, and I guess the, the maybe the most important question, Elliot, do you, do you follow your crew? Oh, yeah. I, yes. Okay. <laughs> Just checking. I don't know where Elliot's uh, at. Yeah, Lake, cool. Lake looks over her shoulder and, and is glad to see Elliot uh, in, in tow. Aww. Wonderful. Also, I realized, uh, so I know you were the catch up. I realized, I guess Lake had a giant cannon in this densely packed New Year's Eve party the whole time. Um, <laughs> perhaps there was an opportunity there for me to have been like, I gotta get to my room. But I, nevertheless, I just, yeah, I love that you had it the whole time. <laughs> Hi, it's your house. I think you can have it nearby. Maybe it wasn't like literally on your person, but it was like, you know where to find it. Yeah. It's like a little New Year's Eve trick where you like uh, do the parameter dial and make someone look all glittery. Mm. <laughs> yeah, maybe we were playing with it earlier. That's, yeah, sure. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> Speaking of upstairs. So, Chester, you we, we last left you in the sunroom with uh, Juniper and Camry. Yeah, I think you can still hear sort of screams from the living room as people try to figure out what the heck is happening there. Um, and outside, you've noticed that there are several hyper hornets patrolling the area. What does Chester do? Okay, we got to get the others. Um uh, and that he goes to engage his force field generator, which basically allows uh, to avoid a slam or protect a nearby teammate from a slam. It's kind of like a more of a preemptive thing than as a like reactionary type thing. But like I'm getting it ready to go to tr- uh, protect her as I take her hand, and I, I'm turning to camera of like. We gotta get the others and like uh, start trying to head back inside to try to find to to go back to the basement. Yeah, and I I, I want to throw something out here now. Chester seemed uh, very concerned about the Y two K bug uh, and what that might mean, and I think this is something that like we we talked about in in actual history nineteen ninety nine. Like people were concerned about they were selling you know Y two K compatible computers and updating things and and whatnot. Um, and I think maybe Nick has been on people's cases to like with with any signature devices that maybe would be relevant to uh, to make sure that they are, you know, Y2K compliant and ready to go for for the big rollover. Um, is it fair to say that maybe that's not something that Chester ever got around to do it? <laughs> uh, I, I think the way he would have gone with it was Nick uh, like thinking that. You know, Chester's maybe smarter than he is. He he would just kind of like, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I'll get rid of those bugs. But he didn't understand, like, how or what fully that meant. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah, that makes total sense. For everyone else, Nick Nick was happy to show them through. But, but Chester's been a little self-conscious about his intelligence lately. So maybe maybe acted as though he could handle it when really he had no idea. Maybe Nick gave him like uh, an up- upgrade or an update on a floppy disk and Chester like duct taped it to the back of the armor or something. <laughs> 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 or, or like it, he saw like how like an antivirus program probably like would help uh, on other computers, but he's just like, I don't, I don't know. So, you know, he tries to take the phone jack from the computer and tries to put it into the back of his armor, but he doesn't find the slot for it because there isn't one. Uh, so he's like, oh, I don't know. He's got this disc duct taped to the panel, and every time Nick asks for it back, Chester just says he integrated it, and Nick doesn't know what that means. He's like, no, I integrated it. Because <laughs> he heard that language. And, of course, this, this like led him to, like, 
get this theory of like the Y2K, what happens if it's actually bugs, like real actual bugs, like in the Matrix? Yeah, so I think um, with that, you go to in- engage your force field generator, and instead what happens is your uh, your armor, kind of the Ablatine plates shift uh, and sort of... Where Juniper was sort of hanging onto one arm, uh, there, a, a couple of like handles pop out on either side, uh, and your powered midsoles engage, uh, and you go <laughs> rocketing off back down the hallway. So you were going to try and find the others, and you are you are well on your way. But that isn't what you were trying to do there. Uh, so I'm like thrown off a little bit by it. So th- this time yeah. I'm like I probably do like bounce off a door frame as I'm like going <laughs> through and all that kind of stuff. Whoa! Yeah, and and Juniper is <laughs> able to just get a handhold on one of these handles and kind of she's now essentially riding you like a like a big mech motorcycle. <laughs> oh my! Uh, so, so yeah, that I, I guess I get to the top of the stairs pretty quickly. Then, mm-hmm. in fact, maybe you all kind of uh, converge there at the same time, uh, and it's a bit of a uh, a jumble or a pileup as as Chester comes slamming around the corner. Oh well, may I? Yeah. So I'm just thinking maybe like. They're coming up through that hallway, but like I just make it into the into the main part of the living room where all the adults are, and like maybe that's where also the, the TV is. And I, I I might just barrel right through, and I crash into their TV pro- uh, and completely obliterate it as I'm going down, and like you, you hit the lamp in behind and uh, create a big kink in it, and you're like huh? you are just determined to completely destroy all of the Marsden's property. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you this. I think you you would have crashed into uh, a lamp or a TV. Mm-hmm. Were there any electronic devices there? But you instead crash into the drywall and maybe just like embed yourself in the wall a little <laughs> bit and have to pull yourself back out. Yep. But when you look around, you you realize that like this this room is a lot sparser than you remember it being, uh, and a lot of the electronics have have disappeared from this room. You see some panicked parents and teachers in here, and and the rest of you can see this as well. You're all you're all coming up the stairs, um, and you see uh, various adults from around the town have gathered in this den. Some of them have their phones out with flashlights and are trying to catch sight of what's going on. Maybe one of them's like on hold with nine one one, trying to get through, but no one seems to know quite what's happening. And what's the name of an electronic device I haven't named yet that can be in this room? Maybe it's like the ceiling fan you can see is like slowly disassembling itself. Hmm. Now, I mentioned earlier that Chester, you've never seen anything like this before. And that is true for most of you. Uh, But Elliot, you actually recognize the phenomenon going on here from your recent time on tour in Operablum. You're looking at a cloud of rogue nanites. Hmm. Um, Yes, I think this is a thing that is maybe more commonplace in Operablum. These uh, these clouds of, of teeny tiny, like too small to see robots that go around trying to uh, absorb technology and uh, incorporate it into itself. Um, Basically breaking things down for raw materials to increase the size of the swarm. But they're like a swarm of very teeny tiny robots that, that eat technology. It's like a, is this like a Katamari situation where they like, Everything they absorb makes them a little bigger, and then they can absorb something a little bigger. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I like that. Like, the, the robots themselves stay teeny tiny, but the cloud gets bigger and bigger as there's more and more mm. of them, and that allows them to devour bigger and bigger things. Yes, absolutely. Cool. And they're they're currently at ceiling fan. <laughs> Whoa. I, uh... Sorry, when we were in Operablum, I saw these guys everywhere. They're just, um... Called nanites, and I, I guess they're... 
you normally can program into doing something, but if you leave them alone, they, they go rogue and they start eating electronics and just absorbing them and getting bigger and bigger. Rogue nanites? A- after the rumpus room rampage? How is all this going on right now? <laughs> so, so, so wait, they really are little bugs? <laughs> well, hang on. No, I think there's something to that. I mean, there, there's there were slugs downstairs. There's little nanites here. And I've, I've heard tell that there's wasps outside. Maybe it literally is b- bugs. One extra dimensional monster at a time. How do we shut them down? The way you shut down anything electronic, you turn off the power. Uh, Lake, your reality cannon, can you concept invert them to off? That's what I was, I was thinking. I just, uh, she sees all the adults and she like, I guess, is her mom in the room? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what is going on in here, but I don't think I can condone that big suit of armor. I think you need to, I think it, I think you need to take it, take it off. And everyone just needs to remain calm. Um, yeah, that's, that's where Lake is, is hesitating is she doesn't want to go firing the reality cannon in front of her mom. Uh, especially if something bad happens again, you know, ang- uh, I think she, she did the Y2K compliance thing, but, but. Uh, if you also recall, uh, her mom thinks she got glitched out through portal travel. Mm-hmm. She got glitched out because the cannon backfired, and she does not want to lose the cannon. Uh, you can't, you can't really, as as we learned with Nick's sword, you, you know, signature devices can be taken away. The concept of travel cannot. Um, uh, maybe I'll eat those words. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> come on, like, come on. Yeah, and she's just gonna do it. She's gonna take the subject, no, not subjectivity diode, a uh, concept inverter. Uh, and is going to try to convert the cloud from uh, powered to unpowered, uh, kind of the reverse of what uh, Elliot did on the stage at uh, Town Day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, just because I don't want to get in trouble, I'm going to middle finger it. <laughs> <Hey>! <laughs> um, but yeah. also, I think that like it's going to work. But she's also going to do this in front of her mom. So the the middle, I, there's going to I feel like there's trouble either way. <laughs> Even with the middle <laughs> finger, I'm I'm about to get in trouble. <laughs> so yeah, a middle finger. Uh, she she takes the reality cannon. She sort of like puts it into the cloud the same way she she point blank got the slug. Um, cranks the concept inverter from power to off and just uh, uh, it says dodge this. And she's gonna. Try I know to- kung fu. Oh uh, no, dodge <laughs> this. That's better. <laughs> <laughs> that makes way more sense. That's Tell way the better. nanites to show you. Uh, I'm gonna look cool doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Mark your style for that. As yeah, you you send out a, a pulse and and the shimmer in the air kind of like one second it shimmers and then it just all sort of like wipes as though a, like in a movie transition like from top down the shimmer just disappears in a, in a horizontal line and uh and you get the sense that they have powered down i yeah that's a complete success you're able to do that i i do want to take a moment here to to just get some reactions from the various uh adults in the room uh and first and foremost i, I would love to check in with lake's mom uh, I think the cloud comes down and like, but it was between them, and now they they can make direct eye contact. Mm-hmm. I, what, what is happening? Concept inverter. What are you saying? You did this leak. You you, yeah. You just watched me deal with these, and the, and by the sounds of it, there's a lot more going on in our home at the big party. So. What do you about this what is going on how are these things here <laughs> she just kind of laughs and she's like i don't know how they're here but we sure as heck know how to take care of them so are you gonna cooperate I... or not 
You're not going anywhere. I'm not letting you go deal with this. We need to stay here where it's safe. Mrs. Marsden is right there, Angie. Uh, or Angus. Uh, we, we, we gotta stay safe right in here. Angus, I think this is maybe one of your first times seeing your mom for a while. Uh, I, I don't even know if Angus knew she was at this party. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, I thought we talked about this sort of thing. What do you mean? I'm just, I'm just here at this party. I think at this point, Camry re-enters from the sunroom. <laughs> uh, and is just like, hey, folks, adults, can we all just shut up for a second? I think we need to leave this to the experts. Weird gravity. Do your stuff. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay, gang, we got hornets outside. We got to make sure other rooms in the house don't have weird bug anomalies. Uh, and I guess with this, and she's like standing in a pile of dead rogue nanites. Um, we got to maybe figure out if these are part of it or the source of it. But either way, they're they're powered down now. Go, go, go. And like, I'll let everyone decide where they want to go. But those, that's, as I see it, are sort of where we need to do is survey the wasps and deal with these dead nanites if they're worth dealing with. Yeah, uh, I want to chime in before you guys decide where you're going to just point out kind of what's going on here. So so in attendance at this party, we've we've established that Uncle Terry was around. We got a lot of your moms, Lake's mom, Nick's mom, Angus's mom. Uh, Camry is here. Juniper and Dexter, uh, and in addition to some other townsfolk. Uh, you also saw earlier, Chester, I think you saw Mr. Patterchuck and Mr. Scottsdale around. Mm-hmm. With your receptive ability, I think you notice in this moment uh, that you actually don't see Mr. Scottsdale anymore. Everyone else seems to have sort of gathered in this one room with the exception of, of you've lost track of Mr. Scottsdale. Wait, hold on a second. Where's Mr. Scottsdale? Has anybody seen him? I was just, he was, uh, he was going to the kitchen to fill me up another soda, but, but he came back from that. I, maybe he's in the bathroom. I lost track of him at some point. He was here at the countdown. I definitely saw him at the countdown. Huh. Oh boy. Um, I was going to go s- scout the rest of the house. I can definitely look for him in the process. Okay. Well then I, 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 I have a score to sell, settle with those wasps. Nice. <laughs> and and Juniper, you stay here with the others. I've, my arms armor doesn't seem to be working just quite right, and I don't want to accidentally hurt you. So, I got your back, Chester. Okay, let's go. Yeah. Go, uh, go, go, go. Okay. As long as there's someone to. Okay. So Angus and and Chester, you're heading off to deal with the the hornets outside. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and and what's everyone else doing? Uh, like you said, you were gonna check out the rest of the house. Yeah. Uh, Nick and Elliot are either of you going with? I mean, I, Mr. Scottsdale always talked like a robot. Does that mean that he isn't Y2K compatible? <laughs> <laughs> Got him! <laughs> uh, Lake, Lake smiles and chuckles uh, and just sort of does the head gesture to, like, come on with me. And she's like, Nick, can you see if you can figure out the source of this thing? Like, wh- where all these different anomalies came from? I'll take a look at the nanites and I'll see if I can find any other traces around the area. Cool, we'll circle back here in a second. Yeah, you two head off, and the other two have already broken off, and I think uh, Nick Juniper kind of comes over and joins you, and is like, well, I, I I, don't know that I'd be much help taking out hornets or or, or finding missing people, but, but maybe I can take a look at this with you. It seems like the safest place for me to be. Yeah, we can stick together, and I might need your help trying to puzzle some of this together.
Chester and Angus, you uh, do you head back to the same sunroom that you you went to earlier, Chester, or are you taking a different approach here? Uh, there's, I think, a front door. There's a back door. I think the Marsdens, with Lake's uh, uh, interest in swimming, I think the Marsdens have a pool in the back. Sure. So I, I think there's there's like an entry out onto a, a back sun deck as well. Uh, but we, yeah, what's your approach here? I, I think I would just take the the exit that would be closer to the the wasp because you I don't know exactly where the wasp are but you know if they were just like outside the sunroom then I just like let's just go out that way like they're they're kind of moving around and and are hard to track in the in the after midnight darkness here so then it'd be I I would think the front door then just because they're probably just going around the streets and everything like that so sure yeah so you guys head right out through the main foyer and out the front door. You exit out onto the street. There's that little like lantern lit path uh, leading out from the double doors. And yeah, I think it's it's the same sort of thing as before where it's it's quiet at first. And then you sort of hear the sound of one get steadily louder and louder until the, you, you spot it. And then it disappears into another like, you know, behind another house because you guys are, are in the suburbs here. And yeah, you, you just sort of see the individual hornets kind of one at a time roaming around the area. Uh, Angus has his negare drawn and is kind of just like scanning with it. And he looks over at Chester and he's like, Hey, uh, I have a bit of an awkward question for you. Uh, okay. So like, I know that you drank that nectar. Uh, yeah. And I know it's kind of been wearing off. Uh-huh. But do you still have any ability to like, see anything related to the fabric of the multiverse? Like... Weird thin zones, blips, the grease. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't think so. I, 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 I think it's, I think it's kind of gone, but I haven't, I haven't felt anything in, in a while. Okay, I just wish I knew where this came from. You know, like where all, where all these bugs? Because we got the golden jungle. We had those from, those bugs were from Opera Ablum. They're um, kind of coming from everywhere. What the hell? It's like the grease has soaked into the entire sandwich. <laughs> that is not a very appetizing sandwich. Damn I know that's you left it for too long. You got to eat it before then. Oh boy. Well, we can't worry about that right now. Let, let, let's just try to catch up with these uh, these bees. Fortunately, I know my mobility boosters and my powered midsoles do definitely work, so we'll be able to easily catch up to these things, too, because I assume these wasps are pretty quick. Uh, just be really careful, right? If, if they sting you, you're going to peel back to where? Yeah, that is the thing with these these hornets, as you know, that their their sting causes an instantaneous peel back. But, but what happens when they sting you in your home dimension? Probably don't want to find out. Before you uh, engage anything there, Chester, I want to just make one more offer here. I think, Angus, you were you were checking earlier to see if you could kind of get a read on what was happening. You, you loaded up my page. Um, and I think as you get outside here, maybe you get better service and you, you start to get some, you feel your M-phone buzz in your pocket and you're starting to get some notifications. Yeah, I'll check those. Yeah, uh, you, you load it up and, and you realize that you're... Uh, I think maybe you uh, you follow Subsonic Sentinel. Oh, not, I totally that, do. Yeah, yes. not not yes. out of like legitimate fandom, but like ironically. Oh, but he likes all their posts. <laughs> <laughs> I <love that> <laughs> <laughs> Gotta see what the competition's up to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think you start seeing some posts from their account uh, where they are. They've been posting from 
a party at the gravel pits. There, there have been like any, any teens who are not at the Marsden, uh, sort of the, the wholesome above board gathering have snuck out to the gravel pits to have a, uh, a typical teen party in Hillview. And, uh, yeah, there's some early posts of just like, you know, uh, there's a bonfire and there's people doing stupid hoverboard tricks and messing around with their signature devices. Uh, and then there's a, uh, a portal opening above the gravel pits and there's like, you know, posts of them being like, something funky going on whoa is y2k real and like different like you're seeing it fold out and play out in real time as they're posting and then you see some pictures of you recognize the the massive blue uh cerulean slugs that you first encountered on your very first run in vestige uh there's pictures of them sort of emerging from a portal into the pit um and then the posts stop after that for some reason (laughs) as though they had other things to worry about and I can see into the portal in these pictures, right? Ah, uh, let me think about it, because I always forget the physics of this. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Chester? Yeah? I think I have a lead. There's a portal <laughs> over the gravel pits. Well, we gotta deal with that, but, like, if these things sting anybody, we can't let that happen to people. Um. Damn it, so we gotta clear the path? Shit. Okay. Uh. Great. Yep. Fine. Ah. Damn it. Okay. We'll we'll head towards the gravel pit and we'll get there. Okay. Let's. <laughs> uh. You're you're trying to engage the uh the powered the missiles. Yeah. Yeah. I think you go to like skate off as you do with your powered midsoles, hockey player style. But for some reason, instead of your mo- your powered midsoles, it's your mobility boosters that kick in. Uh, so which it's is the, the thing, thing that lets you jet propel and make giant uh incredible hulk leaps uh and so you're like all right we'll we'll head towards <laughs> the gravel pits and then and we'll try and clear the path and then it you just like launch into the fucking sky <laughs> <laughs> yeah. back in the house let's check in with uh nick and juniper yeah i guess we're in, in initial implications were that we were going to try and check out these nanites and see if we can glean anything from that I guess in the same way that Angus was asking Chester about any lingering abilities from the uh, Turbodendron Nectar, Nick does actually still have the Hyperfantasiac perk in which he can picture multiversal concepts and he can sort of sense things without amphimeters. Is that pinging anything for him? Yeah, I think that ability uh, grants you sort of a, a higher level of understanding of sort of portaling physics in the multiverse. So I think as we go forward, if there are roles to sort of find things or figure things out that this will give you, you know, the, the plus one D six that it states, uh, it'll give you a mechanical advantage. Uh, but I think in the meantime, you just like, yeah, you, you, you drank that nectar, same as Chester and you got a little bit of an, uh, you got in touch with sort of the, uh, attuned to the, the balance of reality. And I think it's just like that the hairs on the back of your neck are standing up and won't go down. Like you get the sense that like, things are out of whack things are off balance it it doesn't feel like like it normally does when when you know everything's in alignment something is is wrong this evening but i don't know that you get a lot more than that at this moment uh but i think it'll help you going forward as well gotcha uh nearby i think juniper has moved in to sort of like inspect the the i'm assuming they have like a big area rug in this den um and and she's kind of inspects the area directly under where the cloud was and there is sort of like if you get in real close there's like a fine silver dust uh and and she sort of like 
maybe grabs like a party napkin and, and goes to like gather a little bit of it up. <laughs> Nick pops his goggles down and he actually has little knobs on the side that he's able to use to kind of like zoom in. He's got magnification on some of these lenses. Oh, very good. Nice. Yeah, I think you're able to see like the the form of these little like they, they do look almost insectoid. They've got uh, like little helicopter propeller blades uh, on the back of them and then like little little like uh, appendages and then just sort of like an arc reactor style like point of light in the center uh, that is as currently dark uh, as they have been powered down. These are honest to goodness nanites. I don't understand how any of these would ever show up in Null. Uh, whenever we go to Slug Blast, we, we have to break through into, into other dimensions to get, interact with any of this stuff. It, it shouldn't be able to come back through. Uh, nanites don't have any sort of nth gear built into them. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And, and there were those things outside, and it, it, it seems like it's not just one dimension leaking in. It's, it's all of them. I, I, I don't understand how this can be happening. You saw small amounts of that in the... In the planar eclipse with, with two universes overlapping, or dimensions, I should say. But to have this much input between the slugs and the hornets and nanites, and who knows what else is happening in the town? <sighs> and I think uh, as you're kind of having this, this moment of introspection and, and trying to like figure out what's going on, uh, you, you notice that uh, Juniper is looking like... She's, she's kind of just like staring off into the middle distance and, and is looking a little bit shaken by, by this revelation. But hey, uh, know what? We'll we'll figure it out. Uh, and I think Nick p- p- puts a hand on her, her upper arm and just sort of like, we can, we 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 don't know what's happening now, but I'm sure we can we can figure it out. I. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, you're right. I'm I'm sorry. I just, I, I it's it's always kind of comforting to know that when I hear about all these these things you guys get up to, all these places you go, and the danger you get in, that it's that it's, you know. On, on the other side of something that it's far away and, and it can't hurt me but more and more it feels like that that barrier isn't real it's it's not actually there with everything that happened on town day and, and everything tonight it's it's like it's, it's like there's nowhere that's safe and I mean I, I guess I just usually take comfort in the fact that I, I trust Chester to to keep me safe but Sometimes his idea of keeping me safe seems a lot like leaving me on my own. Putting me aside. Oh no! (laughs) Oh no! (laughs) As if the veil isn't there. The sandwich bag is soaking through. (laughs) (laughs) Juniper, I know you just brought up a bunch of stuff about, like, abandonment and stuff, and and I, I really don't mean to to leave you alone, but I... I <laughs> you've helped so much with the laptop and everything that I asked for, but I know you're not a slug blaster. You don't have to put yourself in harm's way right now. Nick, everywhere is in harm's way right now. They're, that's what I'm trying to say. I, I don't think there's anywhere that's safe tonight. I just... If I can't be safe, I might as well be useful. Let me help. You know what? You're right. Come on, we... Maybe there's something else on the main floor. Uh, and off the two of you head to to go search. Uh, let's check in with uh, Lake and Elliot. So I think I I kind of placed you guys heading to to look around the upstairs. Um, but you you can tell me where you went. That's that's not not necessarily where you went off to. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think because we 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 did, we did the basement. We did outside. We did the main floor. We don't know where Scottsdale is. Yeah. We'll head upstairs. 
Sweet. Um, yeah, I, th- I think you, uh, you're you sort of making your way through these halls. We'll, we'll get to what you find soon enough, but I, I want to take this moment because this is the first time that Elliot and Lake have really had any, any one-on-one FaceTime here. So I wanted to see how this plays out. So, um, what's, what's the plan, boss? Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the boss, you know, I, I'm, I'm just like being on a team. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a group effort, team, team effort, you know? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just glad, I'm just glad, I'm glad you're here. And we're, I think we're doing the thing where we're like poking into the many bedrooms mm-hmm. and just like mm-hmm. chat, looking inside a door, you know, kind of casing it, um, and having this, these conversations kind of in between each, each door check. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Lake's bedroom is up here, and and all like I think Camry maybe has a room in the basement, being the oldest. But the rest of you, like there's a there's a shared room for uh, Hammock and Symphony, uh, and Abby's got a room up here as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, glad I was here too. I mean, you you might not have a boyfriend if I wasn't here. <laughs> Fair. Um, oh. I'm I, look. I, it's it's not that she sort of like lets her guard down for a second. She's like, it's not that I don't want you to go on tour or, or pursue your music like your music kicks ass i'm i'm your number one fan you know that yeah i know i i just thought we had a really cool thing going here with weird gravity and i i, I don't want to have to elliot well you were gone miper sent us an offer what yeah over the break miper reached out to us and and they want to sponsor us like for realsies we have our chance for to to really kick things off and i guess i'm just on one hand that's the same kind of opportunity you have with this band but on the other hand i i i don't know that we are gravity be the same without you i wanted to step in to clarify elliot you were there for the initial offer uh when that drone showed up but i i don't think you realize maybe the extent of it because they've since been sent some merch and some some follow-up stuff from miper uh, and have yet to make a, a solid uh, response to it. But yeah, I, I think maybe you've missed some of, of this interaction and, and aren't aware just how serious this offer is. Wow, that's, um, yeah, for, for realsies, like you said. I, I mean, everyone's really done a good job of, of having each other's back tonight. And that's, that's all I really want to see, you know? That's valid. Um I uh, I think that's something we should work on, regardless of how many members of Weird Gravity are are in here. And I think in that moment of uh, of clarity between the two of you, uh, you begin to hear a thumping and rattling, uh, not coming from any of the rooms that you're looking into, uh, but coming from like down the hall uh, and and upwards. And I think you realize that there uh, there's something noise coming from the attic. And this is sort of, I, I, I would say, not like a standard, like, you got to pull a ladder down for, like, it, it's, you know, it is a room in the house. Um, there's stairs that go up to it and a door and everything. But I think it's uh, less of a less of a public shared space and more of, like, storage. Uh, and your mom has, like, an office up there. And that's that's about it kind of thing. Um, but you're hearing some, some thumping and rattling from beyond the attic door. Well... I, I got your back if you got mine. Now now's the time to put it to the test. Sounds good. Uh, and Lake and Elliot close in, signature devices drawn, <laughs> Elliot holding her backpack ready, uh, and you guys move in to, to see what's going on. Back down on the main floor, Nick and Juniper, 
Um, you guys are making your way through trying to, to find Scottsdale. Um, yeah, the most of the adults have gathered, so it's it's pretty quick work to just sort of like peek your head into the kitchen, not there, dining room, not there. And I think it, it's not long before you do uh, start to hear the uh, the familiarly monotonous sound of, of uh, Scottsdale's voice kind of coming through a wall. Uh, and you can't quite make out what he's saying, but you can just hear like a... <laughs> Um, and it looks to be coming from, like, a, a storage room on the main floor here. Scottsdale? You haven't, like, been reprogrammed or anything, have you? <laughs> I don't think you get a response, but you can definitely tell where the, the voice is coming from. I think sort of, like, up against the wall, heading right toward the door, hand on the handle, turn back of the shoulder. Okay, Juniper, stay behind me. And at this point, Nick does take the pencil back from behind his ear, double-click it, and it expands into the full sword in his hand as he goes and flings the door open. Uh, Yeah, you fling it open uh, to find uh, sort of a modest pantry. There's, like, canned goods and, like, (laughs) it's like a cold room. Like, they keep sodas in here. You know, people who keep sodas in a cold room instead of in the actual fridge, and they're never actually cold enough, but, like, you're a guest, so you can't (laughs) say anything. Um, uh, And then you also find uh, Mr. Scottsdale with his M phone in hand. No, no, I'm telling you, it's not. It's the agitator. It's, uh, oh, uh, I'm going to have to call you back. And he flips his M phone shot and turns, and it's like, that's a sword. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a very incriminating conversation. In- incriminating? No, I what 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 are you what are you talking about? What's this about an agitator, huh? It's none of your it, well, it's highly <sighs> Listen, are you are you one of those those teens that's involved in the in the dimensional transportation hobby, the s- s- sneaking into parallel realities and whatnot, is that, is that, are you one of those? Do, do you mean slug blasting? Yes. What do you, yes, right. I have a sword. What do you, what's this agitator? <laughs> all right. Well, this is all highly classified, but I'm not having much luck on thy end. So maybe, maybe it's worthwhile to let you in on it. I, I, I work for an organization called DRAW, uh, which which stands for... Uh, Discovering d- and researching other worlds. We know, we know, we know, we know. I've broken in there several times. It's been a whole thing. Come on, Scottsdale, work with me. <laughs> <laughs> all, all right, all right. Well, I wasn't sure how familiar you were with, but that's that's fine. All right, so you you know our, our mandate and our mission statement, and are you familiar with our, our parallel organization, R- Rescue? Which stands I've for, never uh, wanted to be Angus more in my life. <laughs> Somewhere on the street, Angus is like shooting a wasp and he gets like a little prickle in the back of his head like, oh, someone is being really impatient right now. <laughs> <laughs> Does the anime sneeze thing? <laughs> well, uh, as, as you know, our sister organization monitors the local multiverse for illicit activities and works to maintain the safety of youths such as yourself as they uh, voyage between dimensions and, and, and regulate said activity. 
Uh, and and they do so not by your your crude ability of of uh, hoverboarding and and nth gear, uh, but with uh, highly advanced scientific equipment pioneered at the Drow Lab. One one such device is the transdimensional agitator. It uh, can can lock onto the frequency of a of a thin spot in the fabric of space time and and uh, agitate the fabric of the multiverse to create an opening that that can be passed through. Uh, and I've been trying to warn them for weeks, if not months now, that that the agitator is not Y2K compliant and, and that risks triggering a, a catastrophic scenario were it not to be properly patched and updated. But so far, no one has been listening to me. They say that, that, that it's all handled, but, but clearly it is not all handled. Oh my God. Are you telling me? That Drow couldn't prepare for a simple overflow error? I'm afraid even <laughs> even big labs like Drow can can make little mistakes with, with big consequences. And in this case, if if what I suspect is true, then every thin zone in Hillview may have opened simultaneously as the clock struck zero. <laughs> wow. Every thin zone. Goodness, and this is all because of the transdimensional agitator o- over in Drow Labs itself? Uh, that's that's my theory anyway. That's a matter of... If it hasn't been updated, then it simply needs to be reworked, and we just have to update the, the firmware that is running it so it can properly calculate all of its all of its normal permutations, combinations that it, that it figures out during the course of its normal things under Y2K. We, we would just simply have to update all of, all of the systems there. So we have to get to the Drow Labs, and then we would need some sort of update disk. If only someone still had an update disk with them. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. I love that. <laughs> Goodness. Juniper, we've got to find the others and we've got to get over to Drow right away. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, what are we waiting for? Uh, and off you go. And Scottsdale's like, now, hang on. You mentioned something about an update disc. Now, it might theoretically be possible to, if you were to. Uh, have the correct software install, and it just trails off into the background as you go, <laughs> go running away. Sick. Good yeah, pull, let's Michael. check in one last time uh, with uh, with Lake and Elliot upstairs. Um, you are making your way towards the attic door. Uh, you've got your signature devices drawn, and I think as you reach out, get a hand on the doorknob and throw it wide, you are nearly bowled over by a cloud of, you recognize as the mutant moths from the waking pits uh-huh. um, and they all sort of burst out of this door at once they've all been just sort of slamming into it trying to get to uh, any sort of light source um, uh, but they, they all sort of blow right past you uh, and and make their way off down the hall and, and to whatever light source is brightest and maybe you maybe you pursue to deal with that threat but before you do I, I just want to point out that from behind them you can see into the attic now uh, you see your your uh, the, the storage area, and you see your your mom's office. Um, but the the door to your mom's office is is slightly ajar, um, and you can see some sort of flash of light going on in there. Uh, something doesn't look normal there. Like all the lights are out up up here. It's no one's up in this level of the house, but there is a light source. Something's happening in that in that office. H- Hello, hello. Who who who's in there? What what's in there? We keep creeping forward, assuming if there's no answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you make your way forward slowly up to this door and and kind of like 
waiting for any sign of trouble. You nudge it open, and what you see inside, I think this is, like, something your mom keeps fairly private. This is her sort of, her sanctum, her space where she can kind of get away from from her five kids and a husband and really focus on her, her activism and her work. Um, so as such, I don't think the, the Marsden kids are generally allowed up in this area. And you see in here her desk scattered with papers. You see uh, her, her rolly chair uh, and maybe a half-empty mug of coffee. Um, but what really draws your attention is in the far side of the room, you see what is clearly some sort of a portal gate. It's like a rectangular opening. It's got wiring all down the sides. Uh, and it is currently lit up and, and skittering out from the bottom of it are several of the spider plants from the waking pits, which rear up and expose their mandibles and sort of hiss at you menacingly. 